0: Welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. This highly practical podcast series explores HR and management hot topics and challenges through conversations with relevant experts and real-life people professionals. Brought to you by Actors Software, our aim is to build a better workplace for people. The HR Uprising is about collaborating and supporting each other to build the confidence and skills to rise up to each challenge and deliver real, lasting business value. You can find out more at hruprising.com or join our LinkedIn community. Now, introducing your host, chartered psychologist, best selling author, entrepreneur, and speaker, Lucinda Carney.
1: Hello, and welcome to the final episode for now in our virtual people and performance management series, the subset of the HR Uprising podcast. So this is number eight, and thank you if you've been with us all the way through on this journey. Really appreciate the feedback, those of you who've been in touch, and can you believe Christmas is round the corner? Who would have thought it It was sunny, I felt, when I first started recording these. Anyway, so we've been covering the PERFORM model the PERFORM model, which is just an acronym for us to help thinking about um, what the key skills are that we need to develop and enhance as a line manager in this hybrid virtual working world. If we want to get the best out of our people, how we get them to perform. So altogether, I would expect you all to be highly familiar with what each one of these elements stands for. But just in case you've forgotten, as a reminder... P altogether now stands for people first. It's all about building trust and understanding people that work for us as individuals. E is for expectations. Nothing more important than expectations. And actually, this particular um, one that we're going to talk about, we talked about managing performance or dealing with underperformance. There is nothing more important than knowing how to manage underperformance. And a lot of the time it's caused by lack of expectations. So it's in our gift as line managers, if we set clear expectations and give regular feedback, we've got a much greater chance of avoiding having to deal with underperformance, which of course is what this is all about. So that was our E, R, can you remember what R stood for? Well, the first R was about regular review. It's about us creating the habits and a cadence of habits and regular conversations that happen without fail when we are working remotely with people to keep us connected and help people know what's expected of them and how they're doing against them. The regular review gives us the opportunity to wrap in all of the other skills, the understanding the person as as an individual, the setting expectations, the giving feedback and recognition. That's where we do it. That, of course, is our regular review. F stands for, this one's easy, feedback and that's both developmental feedback, but it's mainly about developmental and it's about positive feedback, but it's about us being very clear about the right behaviours and helping to keep people on course, almost like going due north to make sure that we keep them navigating in the most direct route to the end goal or meeting the expectations that have been agreed. O is all about ownership. It's about us developing our coaching skills uh, that provides us with uh, an ownership culture, giving people the accountability and aspirations to deliver against uh, the results that we've agreed. R, which is what we talked about last week, is about recognition, something that can be rather overlooked. And it's an extra emphasis on the importance of positive positivity, finding the opportunity to catch people doing things right um, when they're out of sight. And if we do all of those things, hopefully, then the chances of encountering an instance of underperformance are dramatically reduced. But I do know from my HR audience, my HR uprising audience, that managing underperformance is actually a persistent concern. I read webinars on this topic over the summer and I had hundreds of people sign up for it. So this is a topic that I know none of us want to have to deal with. And we have lots of other material on it, incidentally. So, I have got webinars on it, got e learning on it, we've got specific white papers on it. So, lots of other resources as ever. Go to hruprising.com or go to actus.co.uk forward slash resources, and there's loads of materials or just messages if you're trying to find something. Um, this thing's on YouTube, so we can help with you, help you with this, and obviously, you can attend our training course. But, um, the main thing is. Managing underperformance is something that we all find quite tricky. We don't particularly enjoy it. Prevention is better than cure. And every time by setting clear expectations, coming along with regular timely feedback, that actually is the simplest way to prevent underperformance. However, as I said earlier, there's no doubt that the lack of visibility and the extenuating circumstances caused by working remotely, particularly when we had lockdown, I think it created almost an undercurrent of concern about underperformance for businesses where although people were reporting increased productivity, some managers didn't know how to deal with it. When I surveyed managers, about a third said they were dealing with increased underperformance About or, or they had more instances of underperformance to deal with. Uh, 40%, the majority said that they had the same level of performance issues they had previously and about 20% said they had less. So some I'm not quite sure whether it was perceived increased underperformance or where those came from, but certainly it's an ongoing concern. Let's get the skills and confidence to deal with it now so that it isn't something that worries you. It's something we deal with business as usual. So what I'm talking about here is not about the disciplinary process. It's not about when you have to get HR, when you're actually looking to put someone on a performance improvement plan or you're thinking you're going to have to exit them from the business. This is about prevention. This is about us having the mindset that nobody intentionally comes to work, not wanting to perform. We employ people, they want to perform. And all too often, to be perfectly honest, the reason people don't perform is down to possibly things that we might have done as line managers. So the purpose of this particular um, module within our perform model is about us minimising the possibility of underperformance so that hopefully you don't even have to go down that disciplinary route when you do include HR. This is about preventing us from getting there in the first place. Managing someone out of a business is expensive, litigious, and it's really stressful. No one wants to have to do it, although we may unfortunately get the opportunity to do it at some point in our in our careers. But this particular episode, will go through three big picture tips That might help you from avoiding it or ideally even turn performance around. So my first point here is remember that people are not their performance. When we were talking about feedback, it's thinking about behaviors. It's not about the person. It's not saying they're a bad person. Performance is about behavior, what someone does or doesn't do, what they say or the way they interact or how they do something it can be all too easy for us to associate judgments about a person with our views on their perceived lack of performance. We can get really quite biased and start then trying to almost reinforce our negative thinking about somebody. It's sort of halo and horns effect if you've ever heard of that. The problem with that is you then almost look for th- opportunities to the person doing something wrong and it can really damage trust and lead to negative knock-on effects. So, here is an example of this. So let's say the fact is that this person has turned in a piece of work with a number of inaccuracies on it. My judgment might be they're sloppy. They've got no attention to detail. So I've taken it from looking at behavior and I'm describing them as a person and being sloppy or lazy or with no attention to detail. It's a really sweeping judgment. Another example might be the fact is they were late onto the video team meeting three times last week. My judgment might be, well, they lack commitment. They're skiving. They're not at their desk working. Now, as soon as we start making judgments about the individual, we are you know, taking our perception of that behavior and we run the risk of creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. If we actually start treating someone as if they actually are sloppy or lazy, they will pick up on this lack of faith. That's really going to damage trust. And there's a real chance that we could let our negative perception worsen or even cause the underperformance. So we could actually be causing it by our sweeping judgments, our lack of open-mindedness. I've talked before when we've done surveys of this, high trust leads to high productivity and low trust correlates with low productivity according to the virtual people managers that we have surveyed, and it's more than 100 people. If you add in the impact of a low visibility virtual environment, it's really easy for things to escalate out of hand. It's easy to think, almost make stories in our heads about what's going on for someone, and we could be so wrong. So, to avoid us being wrong like that, what we need to do is to be tough on the facts, but completely open minded about the causes. We need to be clear about the specific facts of the situation or behaviour that we are interpreting as underperformance. So, we're still clear about the facts but we don't assume that we know what the cause is. We don't assume that it reflects on the person as an individual. We remain open-minded about those causes. And I'll tell you one really important reason to do that is that some of the causes may actually lay at our feet rather than the feet of the individual in question. And that'd be embarrassing, wouldn't it? Remember, no one joins a business wanting to be an underperformer, and often there are extenuating circumstances that can cause the issue, particularly in the times like these with forced remote working and some people still struggling with childcare. It's, it's really key to just think about the bigger picture, really, and taking a step back. And before we make a judgment, let's be almost like the doctor. Let's diagnose the truth. Let's get beneath the symptoms and diagnose what's going on. And it's very important to suspend those judgments like we were talking about earlier because you don't want to create that self-fulfilling prophecy. We want the individual to be open and honest because that gives us the absolutely best chance of turning the underperformance round, which has got to be better for everybody. We don't want to manage someone out of the business. We don't want to have to go through a disciplinary process, possible tribunals, the pain of recruitment. We'd much rather get that person back firing on all, four, all, all cylinders. So, as you know, I like a good acronym. And we have this following acronym, which is the CIS or the KISS acronym with a C, which helps us to consider what the typical categories for underperformance might be. And you can use this as a basis for exploration. So C stands for clarity. I stands for individual attitude, S stands for skill or knowledge. And the second S stands for the surroundings or the environment. So if someone doesn't have clarity, essentially, the reason for the underperformance is that they didn't understand what was expected or they don't understand that they're not delivering. Now, this is a really interesting one. I surveyed 160 people a couple of weeks ago on this. And almost 60% of people felt that this was the most common cause of underperformance. Now, what is very interesting about that is who influences clarity the most? I agree if you're thinking the individual can ask for clarity, but the reality is it's the line manager, isn't it? It's you or I. So if we haven't set clear expectations and If you've been listening to this series, hopefully you absolutely understand how important that is. Or if we haven't given feedback, positive or developmental, when people are overachieving or underachieving, then we're not giving people clarity. So the underperformance, the reason for that underperformance may well lie at our feet. How do we solve it if that is the problem? It's about setting those clear expectations, objectives and timelines with regular, honest feedback oh, my words feel like a broken record, don't we hear? You can't go further. That is the most important thing. Now, I do appreciate you might have someone saying, oh, I didn't know. You say, I've told them loads of times. That sometimes does happen. And you've got to give that individual the benefit of the doubt the first time and think, well, okay, why do they say they don't know? I'm sure I've told them. Then this comes back to, did you document it? Had you been Using your one-to-one notes and capturing what you talked about, that feedback was it written down? Because if some, if you have been doing that business as usual, you say, "Oh, you didn't know." Um, I'm quite surprised about that because let's just go and check back. Look, we discussed it on the one-to-one date here, and this is these are my notes. So the individual will only get that excuse once. Uh, the key with managing underperformance is grasping the nettle. It's about getting it. Early enough, it's about nipping those issues in the bud. And if you nip that issue in the bud and they say, oh, I didn't understand. Once you've heard, OK, I get that you didn't understand. Do you understand now? There is no opportunity for that person to underperform in the future. In future, they can't shout clarity again once you've clarified the goals and objectives. So hopefully what that should do is turn them around. Hopefully they are being honest when they say that as opposed to disingenuous. But the reality is you've reestablished those expectations Sometimes you might go into some sort of performance improvement plan, which is um, the step before formal. I would prefer to do this where I'll talk in a moment about line in the sand. Just establish clarity. Make sure it's documented. Note to yourself that sometimes you think you're being clear and others don't. And the other thing that sometimes causes that is going back to when we talked about ownership and empowerment. If you have a tendency to tell people or you're in a hurry, um, rather than coaching them. So if you told them what to do or how to do it, that can lead to less clarity than if you'd coached them and said, okay, so how are you going to do that? So you've told me this. You're much less likely to get uh, the the call that they weren't clear in those circumstances. So we might not have set clear objectives, we might not have given feedback, or we might have been too quick to tell people what the solution is. All of those could legitimately lead to underperformance and the cause being lack of clarity. Now, the second one, which is interesting, is individual attitude. And there's two elements to go on this one. This is the one that I used to say people would probably complain if they get, oh, that person's lazy, they're demotivated, they don't want to be there, they can't or won't work effectively. So we actually think the problem is with the individual. Now, my take on this is that people don't join Demotivated generally, where well, it was a poor recruit if they did. Something happened to get them there. They became disengaged. They may have been badly managed. It may not be your fault, but there may be something that caused it. Um, it's less likely that this is the cause usually. However, I do think there's a bit of a caveat at the moment with this where there could be some individual issues. We know that people perhaps have got some emotional issues. There's people who may have depression or anxiety. And they've been caused by circumstances. Well, mental illness is out, out there. There's lots to do with well-being. Pre-COVID, 6% of, um, of people in the workplace had had some form of um, anxiety or depression at some point. So it's not uncommon. And there's something like one in five people experience it in any given year. So I would also be open-minded of if there is something which could be a health-related issue, don't be afraid to reach out for support. Um, don't feel you have to support it yourself. See if you can involve occupational health. HR are in a different capacity. Um, listen to that person, support them, being open minded there that there might be, they may not just not be completely well at the moment. And that could cause underperformance. You want to deal with it really gently, because what you don't want is that person to feel they have to go off sick because they're about to be fired. It's about having that empathy and working with them to, whether it's alleviate the workload for a while, get them to take a little bit of a break. Give them the support that you don't end up with a long-term sickness position which is a nightmare but if it isn't something which is sickness or well-being related and it is something where you really do think it's the attitude you told that person it's their attitude or it could possibly be they're not able to do it but we'll come on to that one later what you need to do is find out what does motivate the person they don't really want to do it. Is there something about the work that they're being given that really isn't their bag? Are they in the wrong job? Can you help them find a better job? Have they had, you know, all the rubbish dumped on them? Um, you know, they came in because they thought it was going to be a creative role within marketing and they've ended up having to do non-stop reports and they hate it. See whether you can understand what it is. And also, when you're talking to someone about individual attitude, make sure it's not one of the other three causes, clarity, skill or knowledge or surroundings. If it isn't, then you need to use PEG, which I'll talk about later, the performance expectation gap, which is the model I'll talk about in point three. And if you have to, then you may end up starting the disciplinary process in those circumstances. But that, I think, is the least common reason for underperformance. The next two um, are, second is skill or knowledge. So if someone might not perform because they don't know how to do something or they haven't developed the skills yet, In a remote working environment, I think that chances of this are higher because people may not want to interrupt someone else to be asked how to do something. And we may feel like we've got to work it out for ourselves. And so we might struggle along. Whereas previously, if you're sitting next to someone in the office, we might have said, oh, could you just show me how to do this? I'm not quite sure how to do it. So make sure that you're finding out there's ways in which we can almost proactively do this in a virtual environment. So at team meetings, find out, is there anybody who's skilled at something or struggling with something else? So promoting people to develop themselves, to ask for help, to draw on the skills of others. Think about how, ways in which you can do more of that. I think that's a really helpful way of um, embedding good skills and knowledge and just preventing this as an issue. The third, the final one is Surroundings or circumstances, the environment now again, this is one where historically when I've done this model you know, I've used this model for years uh this might have been back in the old days that someone said, "Oh well, I thought it was acceptable for me to uh go to the canteen having checked in let's say i I've, um, I've got to clock in and clock out, and I should only be clocking in when I'm working at my desk, and because everybody else is going to the canteen immediately having clocked clocked in, I thought that was okay or because everyone else is starting at half past nine, I thought it was okay if I got here at half past nine. So that's where people might think that an unacceptable behavior for their job role is okay because others are doing it. Now, really, if you unpick that, that's about clarity again. Someone is saying, oh, I appreciate that other people are doing it. That actually still isn't acceptable. Or they're starting at half nine because that's in their contract. Your contract is start at nine o'clock. This is what I expect of you. So surroundings can cause confusion which is really an enhanced way of being um, about lack of clarity. However, in virtual working, I do think there are other things that can cause underperformance which uh, are new to us. So if you've had to homeschool, if people haven't got a good desk set up, if they've got other people working at home, constant interruptions at home, if they are concerned or anxious about others around them or even their own health, So there are other sort of surrounding issues which hopefully are starting to improve as normality returns a bit. Uh, But as more people are remote working, we need to think about being serious about making sure they have got the proper set and environment if they're going to continue to work virtually um, and and empathy for, for circumstances there. So the way in which I deal with that is about empathy and flexibility about the situations that are genuinely outside the individual's control Again, show concern about their well-being, but still be clear about what's expected. Because the reality is, you know, kids are sort of back at school now, so um, we need to still expect people to deliver outputs. We can be flexible in how they achieve them. So, working together with people to determine win-win solutions. So, hopefully, I've gone through each of those in turn. That's uh, the reasons where we might get underperformance. And, uh, and it's, about us being un- it's about us being open-minded so that we can help them to solve it. And once we've identified that cause of the underperformance, depending on what it is, we need to then do one of two things. So if it's um, underperformance and it's a circumstance like they are unwell, uh, and it's, you know, it's a really legitimate reason for it, then we need to work with them to solve it. Whether we coach them or we bring in the support, and you might even park anything um, other than that. In most cases, where it's a clarity issue, or it's something that you know can be easily solved to a certain extent, or it's become a little bit of an excuse uh, that the circumstances, other people are doing something a certain way, it's fine. We accept that that's the cause for now. We don't judge whether it's a good or bad cause, but we accept it. But what we need to be is very, very clear that this is a line in the sand. And what I mean by a line in the sand is that this is a conversation. It's, uh, it's an informal conversation uh, because what we're doing is just establishing where we are currently and what's not working. We've now had a grown-up conversation about what isn't working. We've explored the causes. We're going to solve the causes to the best of our ability. And now we should be very clear that if that underperformance, i.e. the line in the sand that we've now agreed about expectations is crossed in future, then it could be a more formal conversation. So it's very, very important that this conversation is clear and both parties understand there's been huge amounts of, of um, empathy, support. Let's work out how to solve this together. But both parties finish knowing that this is now the expectation around performance. Here's the line in the sand. And should we have this conversation again? Think of it like a sports person. Should I have to call you up on this issue again it will be a sending off it's a yellow card for now and it would be a red card if I had to draw it again now try not to make it negative because you know if it's legitimate reasons it go absolutely I get those causes I understand why you had that confusion but just to be clear we shouldn't have to have this conversation again because now we've solved that problem haven't we you know what is expected and in certain circumstances I might say something so you do know what's expected now and if I have to have this conversation with you again it may have to be down the formal route. So what you're doing is making clear to them that actually next time it would be a red card, next time you might have to involve HR. Now with that, a bit like when we were saying about performance feedback, developmental feedback, it's really helpful if you document it and you capture it in some way. If you've got the right tools, capture it in your one-to-one technology. Uh, If not, put it on 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 an email or something so that you have something to refer back to. People who don't do that, often managers think that they've given people feedback, they say that they've done the line in the sand, the underperformance persists, they then engage HR and say, HR, please help me, I actually want to manage this person out of the business. HR can't do anything about it because there is no evidence you've had that conversation. So it's, an, it's actually being informal, but if you document it, then you can use it to start your formal disciplinary process if you have to in future. Clearly, that is the least preferred outcome. The purpose of this conversation is to turn performance around. And if you've done a good job of it, you will have turned performance around in nine out of 10 of cases. So we've talked about people are not their behavior. And we've talked about um, how to be open minded about the causes, tough on the facts, open minded about the causes. And then I concluded there by talking about the line in the sand. So that's really about being really clear. And this is where if you want to be very clear about that line in the sand, you can use this um, acronym here, which is PEG. So you've got two acronyms in one in uh, one webinar, sorry, one one podcast. Sorry about that. Um, So this is PEG that gap and PEG stands for performance expectation gap. So it's really just a structure for clarity around the performance issue when you're looking to the future. So you might say something about, I noticed that you didn't respond to team messages on Skype until 10 o'clock last week, and your virtual presence was set to away on Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Now, remember before we were talking about impact with feedback. We've gone beyond feedback. You've perhaps given feedback to that person previously that they need to be available on Skype, etc., etc. This is where you are talking about the line in the sand. You're being very clear. You then go on to the expectation. So the expectation, just to be clear, is that people are contactable or responsive between the hours of nine till five, unless we formally agreed different working patterns. That way we always know when we can get hold of colleagues. And then we go on to the gap, where you might want to work together with the person about it. So we've talked about the expectation, how can we make sure this is the case for you going forwards? Or you might say something like, is there any reason why this is unachievable for you going forwards? Or finally, I would like you to ensure that you're meeting that performance standard in future, do you understand? So you're getting a yes or no. Now, remember, um, in, the, uh, in the empowerment module, I was talking about ownership, I said use open questions, because open questions give people lots of options to talk. In this circumstance, you're trying to close it down, you're trying to gain agreement. So I'm using a closed question. So do you understand, which is a yes or no answer, getting confirmation um, that they understand. Now, of course, The way you choose to deliver this message might be the difference as being perceived as an inspirational leader, you know, someone supportive or being a complete tyrant and being unreasonable. So I would always aim for trying to be the inspirational leader, not always easier. Um, But uh, it's your choice really as to how you, you put yourself over there. But um but certainly the style and the way in which you communicate it is just making sure that you are very clear about the expectations. This isn't something that you're saying, oh, it'd be nice if you could do this. It's a bit of feedback. This is actually me being very clear about the expected level of performance going forwards and how are we going to get to that. If we have to have this conversation again, there is a chance it will get more formal. So you're you're making sure that people are quite comfortable and clear. Um, on where you are, and again, the level of uh, severity would depend on the seriousness and the uh, amount of uh, the, the degree to which you felt that person can actually control it. And if they're having a nervous breakdown, clearly you might just park the line in the sand for now. Um, you know, say you might say something like, "Obviously, in the future, we want to get back to a point where you're able to, you know, be fully productive, but let me support you to do this in the meantime." So whatever the position, it's important to get a shared understanding of expectations going forwards and confirm it's achievable. So if it's a well-being thing, you might have to um, you might not find that so easy to do. You might have to just park that for now, but you might close it in normal circumstances with something like "so." To avoid any future misunderstanding, I'll follow this up in writing to ensure that we're both clear. Or, just to confirm that this is an informal conversation. But if we have to have it again, I might have to make it formal. Do you understand? So it's quite serious. There's no point in lightening it. And I would also keep it as a relatively formal meeting. Don't suddenly soften it by going, oh, what are you doing for the weekend? Keep it reasonably formal, not unpleasant, but just kind of let it land with that person so that you don't mix the message. We all want a team of high performers. You know, We want people to um, feel trusted. Virtual working can make visibility really difficult. But suspicion is unhealthy and I think just being open and open-minded but straight with people is really key. So learning to manage underperformance or let's say learning to manage perceived underperformance, bearing in mind we might be playing a part in it, is vitally important for us. And it takes courage, it really does, to meet underperformance head-on but to be really full of empathy. But if you allow it to continue, it undermines team morale it underlines the individual. They're not going to get the best out of themselves. And although none of us look forward to it, prevention through clear expectations and feedback is preferable. So always go back. If you think about this model that we've been talking about, the perform model, if you're doing the PERFOR, hopefully you won't have to do the M bit. So let me quickly summarise the key points out of this particular episode. Prevention is so much better than cause. So expectations and feedback. If you do have an issue, be open-minded about what the causes might be in case you played a part in creating them. Remember, clarity is the biggest cause of performance issues. You might be able to um, nip them in the bud by just emphasising clarity before even having to do a line in the sand. We know that forced remote working has introduced challenges that might affect performance, whether it's working environment or well-being. so empathy first. But you really can turn underperformance round particularly if you catch it early. So keep the faith. And, you know, that's a big success if you manage to do that. And you can end up with a much stronger relationship with somebody and really do them a huge favour. So that's it. That's it for our virtual people and performance management series. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you took some good learnings out of the perform model and have got some ideas and some tips that you can apply um, as as a line manager if you've enjoyed them, we're going to create them. We're going to pull them all into a um, list so people can listen to them one after the other. Now they've all gone out. Uh, if you want to hear other topics, look at the HR Uprising back catalogue. Uh, I've many times mentioned where our resources are, so I won't bore you with them. I'm sure you can find them on Access Resources um, or you know, get in touch if you want to find more. Remember, there is an ebook on this that summarizes all of the content that we've covered through here. And there's also a training course. Uh, It's proven to be really successful in terms of sign up. So we'll be running more in 2021, but you can register interest now if you'd like to do it. And we may do in-company programs. We've had some inquiries about that. So currently it's a virtual people and performance management training, which is done as an open course, but it will be available. um, It will be available in-house if people want it. And we'll also be running in 2021 our how to be a change superhero um, training course, which we launched in line with the book that I wrote, How to Be a Change Superhero. So I mean, change is also a key management skill. So if that's something you'd like to know more about, do take a look at that training programme. Some of that catalogue of uh, episodes I've done in the HR Uprising go into change in, in other ways, in lots of ways. So that's from me. It, it That is it from me. Thanks again for tuning in. My name is Lucinda Carney, and this is the HR Uprising podcast.
0: Thank you for listening to The HR Uprising, proudly brought to you by Acta Software, the joined-up performance and talent management solution. You can access links to any of the information or resources mentioned in the show via the podcast page at www.hruprising.com. If you like what we do, please subscribe, tell your colleagues, and leave a review. Thank you for listening to The HR Uprising.